Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Podcast. Watch us live every Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11.05 a.m. at GoSBLive.com or visit us in person. You can find directions at GoStonebridge.com. Connect with us on our social media at Facebook.com slash GoStonebridge and our Instagram at SBChurch. All right, we are continuing our series today called uh, Building Family Values. And if you were here last week, I know they mentioned it uh, in the video at the beginning, but Ron Deal thought did a great job as our guest speaker in helping us realize that it's not about perfection. That, you know, there's this whole string of lots of dysfunction and brokenness throughout the genealogy of the Bible, but it's about God as our rescuer. And before that, Steve talked about how life is not fair, but God is good. And then before that, that we're not meant to go alone. And, and today, I want to continue this series and looking at a value, the value of persevering, or another way of putting that is never, ever giving up. And if you're, if you're a parent in here, you probably have had conversations like this before. Maybe your child is doing their very first sport ever, which I don't know why, but it always, it's always soccer, it seems like. We always begin with soccer, it seems like, for kids' sports. And, you know, your kid starts playing, it's not going well. They don't know what they're doing. And then at some point they're like, I just can't do this. I'm not very good. I quit. And as a parent, you're like, yeah, okay, you can just quit. No, you don't say that. You're like, no, we pay way too much money to the YMCA or whatever program. You're gonna stick this out, buddy. You're gonna do it and you're gonna learn how to do it. It's gonna be all right, but you're not quitting. All right, you're gonna stick with this, right? And then later they get older and then they, they do this thing called algebra one day and they're sitting there and they're banging their head against the, the table and they're like, why are there letters in math? This is wrong, I don't know how to do this. And you're thinking, I don't know either, but we're gonna find a tutor that's gonna help you. You are not giving up on this. You're gonna figure out algebra and you're gonna graduate high school. And you're gonna stick with it, right? That's what we do as parents. We help our kids build in that value of sticking with something, of not giving up. And that's what we wanna look at today. There's a, there's a book written several years ago by a lady named Angela Duckworth, and she gave a TED talk about it as well, about the concept of grit. Not grits, but grit. Grits are a good Southern breakfast, but this is something different, grit. This is how she defines it in her book. She said, grit is passion and perseverance for long-term and meaningful goals. It's the ability to persist in something you feel passionate about and persevere when you face obstacles. This kind of passion is not about intense emotions or infatuation, it's about having direction and commitment. Grit is important because it is a driver of achievement and success, independent of and beyond what talent and intelligence contribute. Being naturally smart and talented are great, but to truly do well and thrive, we need the ability to persevere. So a lot of her research is showing that it's, I mean, of course, it's not bad to be talented, it's not bad to be intelligent, but really the driver of success is this kind of not gonna quit, this grit that she's been measuring. This is a biblical concept before anything. And if you look at the biblical word in the New Testament where we get that word persevere, there's a Greek word uh, called hupomeno. Y'all wanna try to say that? Ready, hupomeno. Wow, y'all did better than the first service. Good job, you guys. Y'all are awesome. The Greek scholars are right in here in this, this second service. Beautiful. So hupomeno, I was looking up the definition of that. Usually it's translated persevere. It means to endure or sustain 
a load of miseries, adversities, persecutions, or provocations in faith and patience. It's right out of my Bible dictionary. It talks about that. So it's really this idea of enduring and sustaining through all that life can throw at you. And then if we look at really the two words that make up that word, hupo means under, and minnow, not like the little fish that you, you know when you're fishing, but like M-E-N-O, minnow, means to abide or remain. So really it's to remain under, kind of remaining underneath the pressure of a lot of stuff. That's the idea of persevere in the Bible. And really, it just means that we hang in there with Jesus. In fact, that word minnow, abide, we see in John 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. So that's the idea of persevering, is remaining in Jesus, not giving up, not walking away, but remaining in him through all of life. So that's the quality that we're talking about. There's a great passage about Jesus it's in your handout there in Hebrews 12 that I want to start with that I think is a great passage about perseverance. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So our ultimate example of perseverance is Jesus himself. And that passage is talking about that he endured, he persevered through the opposition coming at him. All that went into the final moment that led up to the cross, that moment of physical and emotional suffering that we'll never understand, but he persevered for the joy set before him, that we're to look to him, we're to fix our eyes on him. He is the one that we look to for perseverance. And the chapter right before Hebrews 12 is Hebrews 11, duh, but what's in there is the hall of faith, we call it sometimes. It's this whole list of all these different people that followed God, mostly from the Old Testament, and how really they persevered, they never gave up. Even though they didn't get what they were, they didn't realize the promises yet, but they trusted God for one day that the promise would be fulfilled. One of those examples is Moses. It says in verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, Paul gives this blessing to kind of end this letter to the church. He says, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. There's something about this idea of perseverance. And then Jesus, when he was teaching in one of his parables in Luke 8, 15, about the parable of the soils, he says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So I think it's really clear that this is something, this is a value that we are supposed to get, that we're supposed to learn how to develop, that should, that should describe us. They're seeing it in science, they're seeing it in research, this idea of grit, perseverance, and God makes it clear that perseverance is something we're to be known for. So I really wanna look at today, how do we grow in perseverance? How do we persevere? 
And so number one on your handout is, number one idea is this. Persevering is about focusing on one step at a time. Persevering is about focusing on one step at a time. I was talking with a friend, a neighbor earlier this week, and we were both realizing that one of the phrases that we've adopted as we get older and we've been through more of life is that phrase, one step at a time. Sometimes if someone asks me, how's it going? I may, I may answer like this. I may be like, I'm taking it one day at a time. Have y'all ever said that before? You know, in like some of those tough seasons, you're like, I, there's a lot, but I'm taking it one day at a time, one step at a time. And I think there's a passage in Ephesians 5 I wanna look at that has some great instructions to us about how to take it one day at a time, one step at a time with God. We've been looking, Steve's been kind of looking through the second half in Ephesians, so we'll kind of continue that a little bit today. So let me read this and then just make a few observations out of Ephesians 5. Starting in verse 15, it says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I love this because it, the metaphor that you see here in Ephesians 5, and even if you rewind to the very first verse uh, in verse 1 and 2, is walking. Ephesians 5 starts with by saying, imitate God as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. And then here in verse 15, it says, be careful how you walk. I think walking is, we do it one step at a time. It's how we walk. It's a picture of dependence on God. It's a metaphor throughout scripture. When we, when we say, I'm walking with God, he walked with God, she walked with God. It means this relationship. And so that's what Ephesians 5 is challenging us. If we want to persevere, we need to learn how to walk with God. It's given us some walking instructions here. I'm actually learning how to walk again right now too in physical therapy. So this is very applicable to me as well. So how do we walk? Well, it says in verse 15 that we're careful how we walk. We don't walk as unwise people. So there's people around us that aren't walking to wisdom, but we walk with wisdom. Then it goes on to verse 16, it says, making the most of your time. Literally, the word is redeeming your time because the days are evil. And I love that, I love that concept, redeeming your time. I've got a friend I've talked about before named Colin. He's got a really cool accent from South Africa, but that's not why I really wanna talk about him right now. But uh, he's a guy that redeems the moments God gives him. I remember a, a, a while back, he was riding his bicycle, he had an accident, he had to go to the hospital, which would, for most people, that would be a really bad day, right? But for him, he was talking about it later, he was saying, it was amazing. I got to pray with all these people, I got to share the gospel, people accepted Christ. He was going on and on about this incredible day he had through his injury at the hospital. You know, and to me, it, it kind of captures this idea that that felt like an evil day. That felt like a bad day in a world that's dark and has a lot of problems. And yet, as he walked with God, God redeemed that day. God did something amazing even through all of that. 
I think he wants to do that with us. That's how we walk. No matter what he has in front of us, we're called to depend on him and let him redeem the time in the midst of an evil and dark time. He calls us to do that. It goes on, it says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We're gonna talk about that a little more in the next point. And then in verse 18, it talks about, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And I wanna pause there for just a second. I think that you know when we go through really difficult seasons, and it's everything in us just to keep trusting God and we're taking one step at a time. Those are those seasons where it's so tempting to turn to something else besides God for relief. And alcohol is an example here of something you could turn to instead of continuing to depend on God. But it's not the only thing, right? There's name your drug of choice, name whatever way that you're tempted to self-medicate. But those are the temptations. When we're going through a tough time, we need relief now. I need an escape now. I can't handle this. This is too much. And I think that's when walking with God is even more important, right? We need more than just a weekly check-in at church. We need more than, uh, you know, occasionally watching some, you know, listening to a Christian song here and there. We need to learn how to walk with God. That's how desperate we are, because if we don't, we're going to turn to other things to bring us that relief that God wants to bring us. Uh, in fact, the word dissipation in here means to squander. So when we turn to other things, we are actually squander or wasting. We're spending and wasting our potential. It's a shame, right? You know, God created us for him. He created us for an amazing purpose. And yet so many times we get tempted to squander why we're here on something else. So you see that in here. Be careful how you walk. And I love that when it says be filled with the Spirit and you look in the verb tense, it literally means be being filled. So it's an ongoing over and over kind of thing. And for me, a lot of my day is like little breath prayers. Lord, help me. Jesus, I need you to help me right now. Guide me. I mean, those are just kind of little prayers that we just think about throughout the day, keeping the Lord in front of us. Like it said in Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus, keeping that mindset. And what's cool is when we are aware of God, when we're walking with him, look what else happens. It says that then we're speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Now, here's the good news of that. There may be some of you guys in here that maybe a member of your household has banned you from singing out loud. Maybe even extreme situations, you're not even allowed to sing in the shower, it's that bad, right? So I'm sorry, if, that, if that's you, the good news here is this is not saying to sing even. It's saying you can speak God's praise. You can speak God's truth to, another, to one another. You can sing a melody in your heart, right? Anybody, anybody sounds great in your heart, right? Everybody has perfect pitch when they just sing in their heart. It's perfect. It's not about skill. It's about this awareness of God, this praise of God, that when you're depending on him that you have. You know, for me, a lot of the songs we sing at church, they come back to me during the week in my head. You know, like the new one that, that Molly leads, I love just, if I know one thing, a God is a deliverer. And if I know one thing, a God is going to see us through. I love that, you know, that I need to hear that. I got that song in my heart a lot of times as I'm walking with the Lord. 
And then from there, from praise in verse 20 flows thanksgiving. It's kind of amazing when we're focused on God, when we're praising him, we begin to get grateful. Because we, we have a new perspective, right? When our gaze is on him, it kind of goes into thanksgiving from there. And then verse 21, how then we're in community, we're subject to one another. So that's what it is. It's, it's given us these instructions on how to walk with God one step at a time. One other quick little story on this. So many, 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 many years ago, I signed up to run a marathon. My one and only marathon. I've not done one since. So don't be very impressed at this point. But I did that back in college. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's a pretty long race. You know, it's 26.2 miles. And uh, I had to train for it and all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of, couldn't even think about how long it was. I had to do short runs and kind of build. And finally, race day comes. And I get started. And about halfway through the race, it's going great. I feel great. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I'm feeling super. And then about mile 20 or so, there's this part of the race called Heartbreak Hill. Yeah, so it's not just, a, you know, like in the woodlands, we just have like cute, meaningless names for everything. It's like, what, where did that name even come from, right? This has a real meaning to it. Like it was a super long, really cruel hill. And, and for us here in Houston, a hill is where you have a change of elevation. You go from a low area to high. We don't really have that here either too much. But they had those in Atlanta a lot. And it was just, it felt like a never in. I was like, how am I still on this hill? Like, I should be on the top of Mount Everest by now. This is insane, right? So I'm on that, and, and when, I, when I start that journey, it literally felt like someone removed my quads and in place put these 100-pound weights in each of my legs. And I'm like, I can barely move my legs. This is the most, you know, it's like, it would be embarrassing if there was a video of how slow I was running. It was definitely not running. It was just this itsy-bitsy, tiny forward progress that I'm, I'm not stopping. I mean, walking would have been way faster than whatever I was doing at that point. But I kept pushing on, and I finally finished the race. But man, that was a tough stretch. Now, I will say, I bring that up because maybe some of us in here, that is right where we are. We are right in the middle of Heartbreak Hill. And it's really, really tough. But I want you to know that God calls us to persevere. And he doesn't just tell us to do that, but he is right there with us through all of that. He is telling you and me, don't give up. Continue to put one foot in front of the other. I'm gonna provide what you need. I'm gonna strengthen you. He has a way of bringing other people into your life right at the right time, filling your heart with praise when you needed it, filling your heart with thanks. He will get you through. Like I just sang that song, Deliver. He's going to see us through the heartbreak hill. All right, number two, persevering is about not giving up on God's process. Not giving up on God's process. And Ephesians 5 again in verse 17, it said in there that we don't want to be foolish, but we want to understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, guys, we need to understand that God has a will, that God is good. He is not some God of randomness, but he is good. That is an unquestionable characteristic of him, that he has a good purpose. We need to fix our gaze upon that. 
and realize he's working a process in our life. He's taking us through. And just a couple of verses on that. Galatians 6, 9 reminds us of that process. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's a process. God is preparing a harvest. But we have to hang in there. Don't give up. Romans 5 is another great passage about the process God is taking us through. Verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. There's that process of God allows struggles. He allows trials so that we might learn how to hang in there with God, persevere, endure, And then I love that. And then that leads to character, literally proven character. The kind of character of someone that my faith is tried and true. I depended on Jesus like my life depended on it. And he's been there for me. He's faithful. You've met people maybe that have a testimony like that. And then it leads to hope. And hope is not some wishful thinking or some nice idea. But hope is a rock solid concept in the Bible. I love this definition. I I went on Got Questions website. And I actually really like the definition of hope. It says this, the word hope in English often conveys doubt. For instance, I hope it will not rain tomorrow. (laughs) It's probably gonna rain tomorrow. For instance, uh, and then, sorry, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word bata and its cognates has the meaning of confidence, security, and being without care. Therefore, the concept of doubt is not part of this word. In most instances in the New Testament, the word hope is the Greek word elpis or elpizo. Again, there is no doubt attached to this word. Therefore, biblical hope is a confident expectation or assurance based upon a sure foundation for which we wait with joy and full confidence. In other words, there is no doubt about it. So hope is a really strong word in the Bible. And that's what God is taking us on this process to lead us to this kind of hope that our life is anchored on. And then a a classic verse is Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 is a very well-known verse for a lot of us. It says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And to help us with this, if y'all don't mind, one of my... uh, one of my bucket list items is maybe, it, maybe I could start my own like cooking show one day. So if y'all would humor me, I have this uh, cart over here that maybe some of the observant people in the room have probably already noticed that, right? Anybody already noticed that? Oh, I wonder what that's so. Wow, a lot of y'all. Are, I would not have even noticed it probably. But let me, let me bring this over here real quick. So there is a, uh, a family recipe that has been in our, in our family for quite a while. And it's, uh, it's a chocolate chip cake. Anybody like, anybody like chocolate chip cake in the room here? Okay, nice, very nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Now, in addition to being a good cake, I have found that there's actually some lessons in this cake about Romans 8, 28 and about persevering. So I figured, well, we'll just make a cake here at church today. Why not, you know? And so uh, I wanna just start, we're gonna, we're gonna show you how to make this cake. And you start with the ingredients. And now I think of the ingredients as kind of the circumstances of our life. So the way it starts is we start with some of the yummy ingredients, right? I mean, 
Wow, the yellow cake mix from Duncan Hines. This is a very fancy cake, you can see from scratch. Yep, so you're gonna dump the box in here, like so. Oh yeah, that is good right there. Definitely plenty of uh, sugar in that, you know, to make it nice and sweet. Um, and then uh, another yummy ingredient, who doesn't love chocolate pudding mix? Add that chocolatey flavor in there. So we're gonna dump that in there, okay. Y'all bear with me, I'm, I'm still a pretty inexperienced cooking show person, so we're trying this, working on this. We're gonna start mixing that together. Oh, and then, uh, as if we didn't have enough sugar, let's add a little more sugar, why not? Yeah, there we go, can never have enough sugar. All right, we're gonna mix that together. Now, these first ingredients, man, I mean, this smells, I mean, I'm getting a little bit of a sugar high right now, but it smells really, really good, right? Now, I think about, there are circumstances in our life that are good. Right? We have just good days. Aren't you grateful for the good days? Like a job promotion, uh, or maybe a great vacation, or a day off, or you know, maybe you made an A on your chemistry test. I, I never did that, but maybe some people did. Uh, or, or maybe you were, you were doing the laundry, and you had your, your child's jeans, and you reached in, and you found a $20 bill that they left in their pocket. And as a parent, you're like, mine. <laughs> that is my $20 bill. <laughs> yeah, great day, right? I just found 20 bucks. This is awesome. Yeah, so those are, you know, I think about those first ingredients. Those are just good days, good things that happen. Now, the next part, I remember as a kid, when I would watch my mom sometimes make something like this, I'd be like, oh, that looks great, looks great. And then she would start adding weird stuff, right? This is the, what I call the kind of the yucky ingredients. She would add stuff like this oily water. I'm like, ugh. But that is part of the ingredient, so she'd put that in there. Um, then she'd take like, uh, maybe unless you're Rocky Balboa. Uh, does anyone really drink raw eggs? I think Rocky's about the only person I've seen. But, you know, put all these raw eggs in there. Ugh, that's disgusting. You know, but, you know, the kids are like, I'm not eating that. That is just gross, right? And then a sour cream. You know, as a kid, it, all it has to have is the word sour in it. I'm like, oh, that's gross. Oh, that's disgusting. But we're going to put that in there, too. Yeah, and so um, now some of these yucky ingredients, I want to think about this for a second. And so these are kind of those circumstances that are not so pleasant, that are yucky, right? And on your handout, you see a little chart that says God's part and our part, right? Some of the yucky circumstances that we go through are totally out of our control, right? God sometimes allows things into our life that are trials, that are difficulties that we have no control over. Now, there are other things that are in the yucky category that are just, we made a dumb decision. And as Dave Ramsey says, we're paying the stupid tax right now for that dumb decision, right? We've all done it. I mean, some might say that back on that fateful day of November 1st of 2022, when I decided that I would just run out on the basketball court and without really stretching very much and run around with people that were half my age and play basketball and then I pulled my Achilles tendon, might have been a dumb decision that day. And now I'm still paying for it a little bit, right? But you know, we all have this swirling of some good things, things that are out of our control, mistakes, dumb decisions we've made. But let's think about that and let's look at the verse again. The verse says, God causes all things to work together for good except the dumb decisions that you make. Wait, no, it doesn't say that, does it? You know, and I've looked at so many versions of this verse, I've never ever found that phrase except for the dumb mistakes you make. 
You know, every time I look at this verse, it just simply says, all things. So I guess what that means is God has a way of even taking our mistakes, our failures, our mess ups, you can't screw it up enough if you give it over to God. He could take all things and work them together for good. Now, there is later on, can't forget our chocolate chips, so we'll put those in there. Just a couple chocolate chips, like 600, it seems like. A lot of chocolate chips, right? Now, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the recipe, the ingredients part of this. Now, we want to get into the instructions next. Now, when, you're, when you have a young child helping you bake, this is the part they really, really struggle with, right? Like the kids love, yeah, let's go make a big mess in the kitchen and dump everything in a bowl, and this is awesome, and just, there's just wreckage everywhere. Then comes the not-so-fun part. Because you, mix, you, know, you let them mix it up, like, okay, good job, all right, we got it all mixed up. Then they're like, ready to eat it, right? Like, no, no, not yet. There's a few more steps we have to do. It's like, oh, man. So we have to spray a pan. We have to pour it into the pan. We have to preheat the oven. We have to bake it in some heat for about an hour. Then we're still not done. We have to cool it because if we don't, we can't get it out of the pan. This is the part where the kid, your, your child is like, oh, gosh. You know, like, you, ever, you know, like the oven light in your oven? You know, you like try to turn that on. You're like looking through there like, gosh, come on. It's got to be ready, right? And then you got to wait even more as it cools. And let's think about that for a second when it comes to Romans 8, 28, right? Because it says in there, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Again, we see our part and God's part in there. Our part it's to love God, to trust God, to submit to God. God's part is he calls us to a greater purpose. He invites us into this relationship. He is doing something good. He runs all of that. We don't have to come up with that. Our part is simply to trust him, to love him. You know, if at any point you pull that cake out halfway through or you don't let it cool or you do anything where you don't follow the instructions, it won't turn out good. You have to trust the process. And that's why I love this example, because it reminds me, we have to trust the process. God knows what he's doing. He has something good. And if we will trust the process, what happens eventually is the cake cools. You finally can pull it out of the pan. You can slice it up. You put it on a plate and then you torture everybody in the big crowd that's looking at you right now, and you eat it. Oh, man, that is really good right there. I'm sorry. Just take my word for it. It's really, really good. Um, but, uh, man, it was worth the wait, right? But you had to let God mix those ingredients together. You had to trust him to work his plan. You had to submit to him, and he will bring about something really, really good through it. We may have some extra cake after this. We'll see. We had some out there, but apparently it was very popular. So we'll see how it goes. All right. And so one final word on this one. You may be feeling at times like, I just don't know. It just feels so pointless. Maybe it is just meaningless. Sometimes our faith 
can be really, really attacked and we feel like giving up. But be reminded, know that it is not meaningless. Over and over, God promises us he is preparing us for a harvest. He is doing something good. He is bringing about hope for us. We just have to submit to that process that he's doing. All right, number three, perseverance is about not giving up on others. Perseverance is about not giving up on others. In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a lot I could say about those two verses, but for this conversation, I love that it says, don't give up. Some people give up on meeting together. They give up on relationships. We need each other. You know, I, was, I, I do a chapel service at one of our schools here in the area, and I was, doing a, I was there this past Monday. And afterwards, it's, uh, it's the lower school, and so there was a bunch of pre-K kids walking by. My wife teaches pre-K. And a couple of them were talking to me, and they're telling me all about different things they got for Christmas. And I was like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And this one kid comes right up to me. He's like, I got a Spider-Man swing. I was like, that is so cool. I should, can I come over and try it out? He's like, yeah, my house code is three fours. And all of a sudden his mom, his mom is standing right there. She's like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was cracking up, you know, and, and I, I loved it because this kid was like, come on over to my house. We'll hang out on the Spider-Man swing. It's going to be great. You know, and, and I love that. Sometimes I'm so challenged by kids. I was like, that's the heart of hospitality. Come on over. I'm like, man, I need to learn that. <laughs> I need people in my life. I need somebody I can go hang out on the Spider-Man swing with and go swinging around, you know. And so that's what this is challenging us. And, and the, the challenge is, the difficulty is sometimes when we're going through a, a season that's difficult, our temptation is to withdraw from Christian community. Maybe it's because we're ashamed. Maybe we don't want to feel like we're a burden to people. Those are the lies from the devil. We need Christian community that much more when we're in a season of having to persevere through something. That's, one so, that's such a cool thing. I was actually just talking to someone in between services that, you know, when you take a step to, to join a small group, for instance, you really don't know what you're committing to. You just know that I'm putting myself in a position to be connected to other brothers and sisters in Christ. But almost every single small group at some point, they're gonna go through stuff together. They're gonna have times where there's a member in that group that's suffering, that's going through a difficult time and they get to rally around that person or there's a time when you all of a sudden are that one that they're, they're coming and supporting you. But it's amazing how if we will commit and not give up meeting together, we realize that God wants to do something through me into the lives of other people, and he wants to do something in my life through them. It's just how he's made us. We need each other in community. So a challenge for you today is we have, we call it the connect wall out there, right out those doors, and if you are not connected to a group, like to take nothing away from this large group gathering, but 
it's impossible with a room this size to really get to know each other. You need relationships. You need a group of people who can really know you, that you can really share what's going on in your life, that can pray for you, that can support you, that you can encourage you. You got to find them. That's what those are about. Get in a group of some, get in a small group, get in a midweek group. Here's another myth out there. Sometimes we're thinking, well, I'm too busy right now. Maybe next year I'll have more time. I have seen that every stage of life has busyness to it. It just doesn't matter. You just have to make it a priority and say, you know what? I need this. If I'm gonna persevere, if I'm gonna really walk with God, I need people around me cheering me on. I need support to do that. I cannot do it on my own. It's a lot easier to give up when you're isolated. But if you will continue to meet together, you have the encouragement that you need. And another interesting thing about this verse, it says at the end of it, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So day is a capital D. And that's a pretty cool reminder that, so the gospel story is, is not complete yet, you know. There's a day where Christ is coming back. It's gonna be amazing. But as we get closer to that day, it's going to get more and more difficult for us as Christians. And as each day closer, we get you know, closer and closer, we need each other that much more is what that's saying. So just we need to be connected to other people. So maybe that is a step for you to take today. So let me pray for us as we think about God helping us to persevere this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you don't just call us to not give up. You don't just call us to persevere and do it all in our own strength. But Lord, we thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit to help us. You call us into a, a relationship with you. You don't just give us an instruction manual about how to do everything, good luck. But you're a relational God. We've been made for relationship of dependence one step at a time, God. Lord, I, I just pray for us in this room that we could know the joy of walking with you. And that, God, you have a way of redeeming the time even in difficult seasons. Lord, may we know the joy of community, of walking alongside of others and not being alone. Where we can encourage each other about the hope that we have, that you are still working on us. And that, you know, there may be people that believe that this is just nothing more than just a bunch of organic matter and things bouncing around with no purpose. But Lord, that is not true. You're a good God who has made us for an incredible purpose, that you are working in our life. You called us to be people who glorify you and, and that you can shine through us as we learn to depend on you, as we develop that proven character as your children, Lord. Lord, there may be people that are in this room, maybe listening right now, that if they're honest, they have never, ever begun a relationship with you. Thank you for that invitation, Lord, for the gospel that says, at any moment, you don't have to be alone in your sin, hopeless, but there's an opportunity that 
to just come to you, God, and just say, I can never be good enough. And it's exactly right. We've never been built to be perfect. We can never earn our way to heaven. But Lord, you came to rescue us. And we just simply fall upon you in faith, realizing that, yeah, we can't do it. We'll never be good enough to meet that standard. We need a savior. We just give our life to you and, and that's it. You forgive us. You wipe the slate clean and you make us right with you and it's a new beginning, a new day of hope and new resources that we never had before like your Holy Spirit in us to live the life that we've been made to live. So if you're in this room or listening, you've never done that, you can do that today. So God, we thank you that you help us persevere. You help us to never give up. In Jesus' name, amen.